What is going on everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And I want to let y'all know about a little secret, and it's called Anchor by Spotify. It is one of the new and easiest ways to make your own podcast with everything you need all in one single place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone or computer. And also, when you are hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever platform you choose to post it on. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one single place. And the best part of all, Anchor is totally free to use. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Get started creating your own podcast or start hosting on a very up-and-coming new platform. Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? It is your host, Mason Pierce, and we are back at it again with another episode. Guys, I hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. The sports world absolutely blew, I mean, blew up, whether it was regarding the NBA playoffs. We had a couple college football news, a couple college football spring games, which we'll actually talk about a little bit later, and then just some little tiny NFL news. And, and some really shocking news that actually occurred, and, and it's involving the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, um, one of their up-and-coming cornerbacks, Kelvin Joseph, who was a rookie out of um, University of Kentucky, he was actually involved in a murder that happened in downtown Dallas earlier last week. So we'll get into that a little bit later on, like I said. But guys, I hope y'all had a fantastic weekend overall. I hope y'all had a great Easter with your family. I hope y'all, you know, got plenty of those golden money eggs and, you know, truly just had a great time spending time with their family. And hopefully we're able to catch up a lot of, you know, good sports. Because, I mean, trust me, there was no excuse not to watch a decent amount of games this weekend. So, nothing less, guys. Let's get right into today's episode. But, before we do, I want to ask y'all, please make sure that y'all are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. The link will be down in the description. And, as always, guys, let's get right into, into today's episode. And, as we, and, as all, and you know, all for all the people that have been here, you know that we start out every episode talking about some college football news, and then we slowly progress our way to NFL, and then MLB slash NBA slash whatever other sport besides football, right? So let's get right into some college football news. And the first thing I want to talk about is ESPN, and you know they released their preseason top ten. Now it's according to um to Football Power Index, so I mean it's always kind of janky, but this is ESPN's top ten, and I'll rank it from. Uh, 10 down to 1. So at number 10, we have the Auburn Tigers. Now this one does not make sense considering the fact that Auburn just came off a second to last place in the SEC West, which yes, it is stacked, but still Auburn is always known for being a top 4 team. And the fact they also came off of a 6-7 and seven season with a bowl loss to um, Houston. And also, in case y'all did not know, Auburn was on a 5-game losing streak to end this season. So they were 6 and I think six, yeah, six, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, guys. They were six and two at one point, and we're looking to be in prime position. I mean, they looked good. Bo Nix was playing decent. They beat, you know, high-ranked Penn State early on in the year, and they looked to be steadily improving. But then Bo Nix started to decline. The defense started to kind of decline. I mean, Roger McLary and all, you know, all those studs on that defense, like cornerback-wise, were fine. But the defense was just not well-rounded. And then the offense, as we all know, was absolutely horrible. So. I guess maybe because Zach Calzada and a couple other transfers and recruits are coming to Auburn, maybe they, you know, Auburn should be top ten. But in my opinion, Auburn should not even be in the top twenty-five. And if they're, in, if they should be in the top twenty-five, according to anyone, they should be at least between twenty and twenty-five. So that's personally the first L of this list. 
And then at number nine, we have the Pittsburgh Panthers. And I really don't mind this, considering the fact that Pitt literally got former USC starting quarterback Keaton Slovis through the transfer portal. And, and we all saw what Pittsburgh did with Kenny Pickett and how they kind of transformed his play over you know his five to six years that he was at Pitt. So I think he'll definitely succeed. And let's not forget you know the most important piece of this puzzle, and that is the fact that former 2021 Belenikoff winner Jordan Addison, he will also be returning to Pitts probably for his last year, you know, and then he'll declare for the draft in the 2023 draft class. So definitely watch out for Pitt to continue to have a very dynamic offense. Now defense is still kind of an issue for the Panthers. I mean, I don't expect them to be, you know, top 50 in the country in defense, but in my opinion, I do really expect the offense to just absolutely crush it again. So in my opinion, I think Pittsburgh does deserve to be number nine on this list, considering the fact that the ACC is still weak besides Clemson. I mean, there's no one else really in that conference. You can't say Florida State. Florida State's going through the absolute worst probably period in a while. I mean, the fact that they went out and got former Memphis head coach Mike Norvell, and, you know, they thought, okay, you know, he might bring a new spark, and he did. I mean, we all saw how bad the the uh, Willie Taggart area, tag, t Willie Taggart era, era was at Florida State. I mean, I just I don't really know. Ever since Jimbo left, unfortunately, Florida State's kind of just been in a frenzy to find a head coach, and I definitely would not be shocked to see Mike Norvell, especially after this season or midseason, kind of like an Ed O situation, unless you know, because I mean, it's just it's really hard because Mike Norvell's a great coach, he's a great recruiter, but I just. Something right now is going on in Tallahassee that we don't know about. So I'm hoping they eventually do get it figured out because I do want to see the Seminoles succeed. I mean, yes, I know probably all you Florida, you know, Florida fans, Miami fans, whatever, y'all probably like just shut, just shut up already. No one wants Florida State back. But when you have Miami, Florida State, Florida, USC, and all those old blue bloods back in college football and playing at the level they used to, it just makes it exciting and you want to watch it again. I mean. Florida State and their dynamic offense they had. I mean, whether it was with E.J. Manuel, Jameis Winston. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on with that, you know, Florida State. So, besides that, the next. So, let's get back to the top ten. I'm not trying to drift too far away. So, at eight, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. I think that fits them pretty well. They're not. I don't expect Oklahoma to be, you know, probably college football level good this season. I do expect them to be New York New York Six bowl game good considering the fact they did get Dylan Gabriel from UCF. They did go and get Brent Venables from Clemson and they got Jeff Lebby from Ole Miss. Now, Jeff Lebby is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. He, he runs a great air raid offense. We saw one, the wonders it did for Matt Corral at Ole Miss. And I definitely expected to easily transition over to Oklahoma because once again, Oklahoma still has playmakers. They still have Marvin Mims. They still have a lot of raw talent, which includes guys like Theo West, who never really got their opportunity because a lot of the higher-ranked guys. So this really this year for Oklahoma is kind of a not prove it, but kind of a let's surprise people, right? You know what I'm saying? Because Oklahoma really going into this season, we're, we're kind of – we really don't know what to expect. I expect them to do great because – as we've already seen so far, this team is absolutely loving Brent Vittables. The university is loving Brent. Personally, I think they love him more than um, Lincoln, and I don't blame them for right reasons. Brent is a player's coach, and he went out and got a good offensive coordinator. He went out and got a good defensive coordinator. He went out and got just a bunch of great coordinators. And 
he got the right coaching staff that fits this university, that fits the new play style, the new generation of college football. And I think Oklahoma will take off more than they were with Lincoln. I mean, once again, USC will still be very successful. Just, I mean, the fact they have all that talent. But I think Oklahoma will finally take that leap to bettering the defense and bettering that offense. And considering they've already had great quarterback play, you're getting a guy in Dylan Gabriel who, yes, he only has one year left of eligibility, but that one year could possibly be another Heisman for Oklahoma. And, yes, I right now I'm saying it. Expect Dylan Gabriel to be a dark horse for the Heisman Trophy because the Big 12, and, yes, I don't want to continue the stereotype of the Big 12 having horrible defense, but they do. Oklahoma is another example of it. They'll score 70 on you, but they'll give up 50 to 60 points. Now, schools like Texas, once again, they can have an explosive offense. You can go out and get Quinn Ewers and get all these high-star you know, high star recruits, but you still don't have any defense. You still don't have any, you know, back – you still don't have any secondary. So it's just, once again, expect Oklahoma to constantly, at least in my opinion, be in the top ten unless something happens where the coaching staff collapses, which I don't think it will. I think the guys love, love Jeff Levy, and obviously they love Brent Venables just because of the energy he brings – and we saw what he did at Clemson because at Clemson he never had a lot of super, super, you know, high-star recruits, right? You know what I mean? And, yes, he did have a decent amount of five-stars, but he managed with what he had, and he played to their strengths rather than just playing what he wanted, but it never fit the team. So I love, obviously, Oklahoma at eight. I think it's a good ranking. I don't think it's too high like they've been in past years where they'll be at three and two. And then they, you know, they they barely beat Tulsa or you know Tulane to begin the season, and then everyone's wondering why the hell were they at two? So, nothing. I think that's a good. I think that's a good um, point for Oklahoma. Now at number seven, we have the Michigan Wolverines. It's kind of mixed. I mean, they are losing Aiden Hutchinson. They're losing David Ojabo. 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 Sorry, I, I I didn't mean to butcher his name. David Ojabo. They're losing both of their edge rushers. They're losing a couple more key pieces. I mean, I don't, I don't think Michigan's going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be top 10 good simply for the fact Ohio State took a major leap in recruiting, and we will get to that in a little bit later. And I think definitely Michigan should not be in top 10. I think they should be in the top 20. But we saw what happened when they did go to the college football playoff and played a team like Georgia, and it really exposed the fact that, hey, they really didn't have play that much competition. I mean, Michigan State's good. Don't get me wrong. But – when you when you see these schools play SEC schools, and sometimes even ACC schools, they get exposed. I mean, they do. They just single-handedly get exposed. Wisconsin shows it every year. I still don't know why Wisconsin is always sometimes hyped up more than they should be. Now, luckily this year they're not in the top ten, but you know what I mean. They're they're always predicted to you know win nine to ten games. And then, you know, expected to make a New York Six Bowl. And then they do make it. And then they end up losing 40-something to five against, like, Oklahoma. So, <laughs> besides the fact. Um, at number six, now, this one really irks me. They have the Texas Longhorns at six. Now, yes, we know Longhorns are everyone's golden boy. They have been for years. They're always going to be ranked in the top ten every single preseason. No matter how bad they were the past year. I mean, they were five and seven last year. After they lost to Oklahoma in that crushing game where they exposed Spencer Rattler, but then they got exposed back by Caleb Williams, the true freshman, it was just like, okay, what happened in Texas? And then they ended up losing 
against Kansas down in Austin to end this, the regular season. No, I lied, I lied. They played Kansas State the following week, but they lost to Kansas at home. You're telling me that team made enough changes to be ranked higher than teams like Oklahoma and Pittsburgh? Hell, even Auburn? I'm sorry. Quinn Ewers is not going to simply just revitalize your team. Jaleel Billingsley, he's not going to revitalize your team. The only guy on that team that will genuinely do anything that could practically carry that team would be Bijan Robinson, and we even saw this past year he was not enough. Yes, you got a couple good O-line recruits. You got a five-star O-line recruit. They're doing great. They're going to. They're Texas. They've got the booster money. They've got the backing. But they are not sixth in the country. They have not proven they are worthy of that title. When you were coming off a 5-7 and seven season in the Big 12, now, yes, my Horn Frogs, we went five and seven, but we don't even have half of the spending. We don't even have half of the budget that Longhorns have. We don't even have half of the players that they have. So the fact that a team like Texas can go five and seven, and then the following season they're ranked sixth in the country, it's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful to a lot of other teams, in my opinion, that deserve to be higher up on this list. I mean, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State still deserves to be up here because if we're going to be honest Oklahoma State has a better supporting cast than Texas but no school no broadcasting network is going to want to have Oklahoma State at six over a school like Texas that will bring in revenue and unfortunately that's the sad part that we're seeing in college football and just college sports in general it's becoming more about branding branding than it really is about true talent so once again, I'm very disappointed. The fact, and this isn't a bias either. I've had family graduate from UT. A lot of my family is UT alums. So this isn't just me simply being a TCU fan. This is me just being a college football fan that wants fairness. And the fact that Texas is once again somehow in the top 10 blows my mind for the 400th year in a row. Now, yes, do I think Texas will do better than they did last year? Absolutely. They did make a lot of, you know, great additions, like getting former TCU legend head coach Gary Patterson to be a defensive assistant, analyst, whatever you want to call it. So I do think they're making right steps in the, in, towards the future. But this team plays Bama the, the second week of the season. They're going to get steamrolled, and I would bet you my life savings that's going to happen. Because there's no way they're going to be able to stop just any of that Alabama team. They have Elias Ricks now on defense. They have Jalen Burton on offense. And then people still forget they still have Bryce Young, the 2021 Heisman winning quarterback, still at the helm for at least this season. So, once again, just please quit overhyping Texas. That's all I'm asking. If Oklahoma was in this spot, I would also say it too. But I would believe Oklahoma more than I would Texas currently right now in this position. I like Steve Sarkeesian as a coach. I love Gary Patterson, obviously, as being a TCU legend. And I love a lot of the players that are on Texas. But they are not ranked. They should not be ranked six in the country. Now, anyway, besides, let me quit ranting. Now, at number five, we have Notre Dame. Once again, it's kind of iffy. It depends on how great, because I know their quarterback situation right now is kind of, because eh, right now they've got quarterbacks Tyler Bushner and Drew Pine competing for the starting role, who are both freshmen last year, so they're still young, but they're they were really highly recruited coming out of high school, and I think they'll both be good starting. 
I mean, there's still a couple question marks, you know, with Notre Dame, you know, offensive-wise. Now, defensive-wise, they did get Northwestern All-American Brandon Joseph, who will immediately, you know, fill Kyle Hamilton's role, which is the star safety that entered the um, 2022 NFL Draft. So, I mean, definitely I think they will end up being a top-10 team, you know, one of the more underrated teams in the country. But I don't think, as of right now, they are worthy of a top 10 ranking. Just in my opinion, once again, this is all just my opinion. So don't take this as, oh, well, you know, you know, it's absolutely wrong. No, 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 no. I do think Notre Dame is going to be a great football team in 2022. I just don't think right now they are, you know, definitely, um, you know, top 10. Now for the next ranking, I'm not, I don't, I'm gonna kind of go, you know, a little bit fast through this. We have number four, Clemson. Or we have at number four, Clemson. And I don't think this is really that bad. I think Cade Klubnik will immediately, you know, refill Trevor Lawrence's role from the past couple of seasons. Obviously, DJ really disappointed last year. And, you know, Clemson, they they still do have most of the roster. And, yeah, they did start kind of slow. But they ended up finishing the year amazing. So, I think Clemson's good at four. And then at three, we have Georgia. Not really too much to say. Georgia really, you know, they, they just got Stetson Bennett back. They have most of their team back besides, you know, a couple players. So, I mean, Georgia's still going to ball out. I think they'll probably drop a little bit during the year because I think they'll probably lose one or two surprising games, you know, like Arkansas, Kentucky maybe. But they'll still be really solid. And then at number two, we have Ohio State. Not really shocking. You know, C.J. Stroud's probably going to end up playing in another Heisman-level season. And then they still have at the wide receiver position Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously the son of the of the NFL Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. They've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had an, a record-setting Rose Bowl last year against Utah. They got former five-star wide receiver Emeka Egbuka. So they're still stacked. I mean, and then when you look at the you know running back room as well, still got Travion Henderson, who you know exploded as a freshman onto the scene. You know, he looked like, you know, the next great Ohio State running back. They still got Caden Saunders. They still have Marcus Crowley. They've got Mayan Williams. So they're set. I mean, Ohio State all the way around is solid. Obviously, when they got Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, that was huge step, you know, in the right direction. And then they got a couple transfers as well to join that secondary. So once again, Ohio State at number two, it seems right. And then obviously, y'all probably could all guess who's at number one, Alabama don't really need to explain it it's Alabama they're probably going to go at least 11 and 1 12 and 0 and then probably end up winning a national championship because Bryce Young is going to want revenge that whole Alabama team is going to want revenge Nick Saban is going to be on a you know path of fury this year so (laughs) nothing less guys I don't want to spend too much time discussing a lot more of the college football news but I just wanted to make sure that we kind of got you know at least ESPN and what some people are thinking is the preseason top 10 going into the college football season now, for the next news we have, it's regarding former OU quarterback Spencer Rattler. Now, he had a dicey career at OU. He started his career off. It was good. I mean, he, in my opinion, I never thought he was really Heisman worthy or even, you know, should be should be hyped up to think he could win the Heisman. But a lot of experts did. And that's, I mean, being coming out of Pinnacle High School in Arizona, you know, being a five-star recruit, had his own Netflix series. I mean, the hype was there. And then, obviously, at Oklahoma, it looked like things were going to work out during his um, freshman year after Jalen Hurts left. And going into his sophomore year, it just didn't really work. During the Texas game, he got exposed and ended up getting benched for Caleb Williams. And then we also saw during the West Virginia game, he got massively booed by the Oklahoma fans. And and that kind of solidified Caleb Williams as a starting quarterback going forward. Now, 
he ended up transferring to South Carolina at the end of the year after he had entered the transfer portal. And he was quoted saying during a spring practice at um, South Carolina about his whole situation at OU and why it led him to South Carolina. And he was quoted saying, I was just happy to get out of a toxic situation anywhere else than Oklahoma was better. Do I agree that, yeah, it was a little unfair that it kind of always seemed like they were going to end up with Caleb Williams? Yes, but at the same time, Spencer just was not performing. He was turning the ball over like crazy. He fumbled an immense amount of times, especially in that Texas game. He threw a lot of dumb passes, got picked a lot of the time, and Caleb Williams was just absolutely a beast. So I don't really agree with Spencer necessarily. I do think he, he is a little bit privileged and kind of expects him to constantly be getting the quarterback one spot. But at the same time, you're going to get replaced if you play it the way you did, especially when you're hyped up to be a Heisman contending quarterback. So that's I just wanted to let y'all know the Spencer, but but apparently, you know, with Shane Beamer and all the South Carolina staff, they say that he's been doing really good. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. I mean, that South Carolina um, spring game, they were packed. I mean, it looked like a sold out crowd just for a spring game. So obviously, you know, he, Spencer and Shane Beamer are bringing a lot to this Gamecock, you know, nation. And yes, that's that's the actual mascot of South Carolina. I swear to you, that is not <laughs> that's, that's not just me making it up. But so the next news we have, and we're gonna get and it's a little bit of recruiting news. Former former four star and Florida State cornerback Hunter Washington has entered the transfer portal. Now he went to Katy High School, which is in the Houston area. So I definitely would expect you know Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars to possibly be the front runner to land him. It never really worked at Florida State, obviously, and all the coaching changes that are probably about to happen. A lot of players are going to want to, you know, abandon ship, and that's, he's just kind of getting a jump on it. So hopefully he does make the right decision. I think Houston would be absolutely amazing for him because he did have a lot of hype coming out of high school. Now the next news we have is regarding four-star cornerback Aaron Williams out of Centennial High School in California, and he is committing to the, to the Ville. He's committing to Louisville. A huge pickup for the Cardinals because not only did they need a lot of cornerback help because I remember watching the first responders bowl that they played against um, Air Force down at SMU during December and that defense was absolutely horrible. No offense my, to any Louisville fans if y'all are listening, but good gravy do y'all need some help. But with this pickup, this officially makes Louisville have the 8th ranked recruiting class in the 2023 cycle. Now this is huge. Because I can't tell you the last time Louisville even got remotely close to the top 10 in recruiting. So, great job by them. He's going to be a huge pickup for him and probably end up being there for a while. Uh, Four-star wide receiver Kyler Casper out of Gilbert High School in Arizona. He is committing to Oregon. Now, this one doesn't really shock me at all. His dad actually played about four years at the University of Iowa before he was drafted to the Denver Broncos and played a little bit in the NFL. So, Kyler, who stands at about 6'5 and about a buck 90. He's got decent size on him. Definitely expect him to bulk up a little bit in college. So, once again, Oregon continues to do well in the recruiting cycle. And honestly, I thought he was going to end up at USC, either USC or Arizona State, considering the fact he's from Arizona. So, great pickup for the um, the Oregon Ducks. The Ducks are making some moves. I'm telling you, it's I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see Oregon slowly starting to get better. And obviously, that's partially due to the fact that they did hire former Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Landing. 
Now the next news we have is regarding four-star cornerback Dijon Johnson out of Wharton High School in Florida, and he is committing to the Ohio State University. Once again, adding into why I think Ohio State definitely deserves to be, you know, ranked number two in the preseason poll. Uh, he chose the Buckeyes over schools like Kentucky, Louisville, Oklahoma, USC, Georgia, you know, all the pretty big Power 5 schools. So watch out for this this Ohio State team. I'm telling you, if there was a year that they were going to win a national championship, it would be this year. Not only because they've got a lot of talent, but also because the passing of the late Dwayne Haskins. I think that's going to really uplift that team, especially CJ, considering he wears Dwayne Haskins number seven. So definitely continue just to kind of just watch Ohio State because I think they will be really deadly this year when it comes to just offense and even defense now that they got Jim Knowles. Uh, the next news we have, and actually the final college football news we have, it's regarding UCF. Now, UCF last year during their spring game, they let their players use their, I think it was their Instagram, um, Instagram tag on the back of their jerseys where they would put their name so, you know, people could find them and everything, so, which I think was cool. I mean, it's harmless. It's kind of getting a lot more players' exposure because, you know, a lot of fans, they don't know a lot of players, so by them doing that and they can look them up and kind of, you know, see what they're about, I think it was cool. But UCF, they actually introduced a new style of uniform, and I actually posted this to the Instagram of the Cover 7 of the Mason Pierce podcast. UCF, they are wearing special, and I mean, this is actually true, special QR codes on each player's jersey during their spring game, which will allow fans to scan the back of the jersey, and it will automatically bring up the player's profile and all the links to any of their social medias, you know, in highlights, whatever it might be. I personally like this. I mean, it's not going to be a full-time uniform. They're not going to wear it in conference games. They're not going to wear it in non-conference games or regular season or bowl games. But for a spring game that's innocent, and I mean, it's a school-hosted thing, I think it's amazing. These guys deserve recognition for all the work they put in, and by doing this, it allows fans to become even closer to the fans, or allows players to become even closer to fans and fans to truly, you know, invest more into these guys. I like it. UCF, continue to ball out with what you're doing for these players. Gus Malzahn, the bus continues to go. I absolutely love it. Continue to do what y'all are doing. Now, guys, that is it for the college football news. And I don't want to keep y'all too long, so I'm going to kind of not speed through the NFL news because there hasn't really any breaking, breaking news. But there is actually some decent news. The Green Bay Packers, they are signing former Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Sammy Watkins to a one-year $4 million deal. Now, this doesn't replace Devontae Adams' production as a wide receiver, but it definitely is a, is a good you know step in, the, step in the right direction. They need a speedster, and getting a guy like Sammy Watkins is absolutely fantastic. Yes, they still have Amari Rodgers, the former Clemson Tiger, kind of playing in the slot, but now they have Alan Lazard. You know, on the outside, and now they'll probably have Sammy Watkins as the other outside outside wide receiver. So I don't mind it. It's a good cheap signing. I mean, worst comes to worst, he puts up 800, 900 yards, and you know, balls out for you know the Green Bay Packers. I think him and Aaron Rodgers would get along very well. I mean, Aaron likes to throw the deep ball. Sammy likes to run deep routes. They'll absolutely mesh perfect. Now, for the next news we have, it's regarding former Defensive Player of the Year in 2019 and all-pro cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Now, Stephon has been rumored to go to so many different teams. I know the Bills have been interested in him. I know the, the Rams have been interested in him. I know even re, you know him reuniting in New England was rumored. 
But he finally made his decision on Saturday. And Stephon Gilmore, he is signing a two-year, $23 million contract with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are really trying to, you know, make a Super Bowl this year. I mean, after the very disappointing year they had last year after trading for Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles, they said, you know what, screw it. We're going to actually focus more on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go get our quarterback, Matt Ryan, from the Atlanta Falcons. And they've put together a Super Bowl contending squad. I mean, you've got now you have Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, who who genuinely could stop this team? And then on the offensive side, you have Jonathan Taylor, Matt Ryan, Micah Pittman. And then if they go out and go sign a receiver like Julio Jones, yes, and yes, Julio's not in his prime anymore. But you get a you get a deep threat and even a slant a slant threat like Julio. Just, just simply because of his size and frame, that team's unstoppable. So Indianapolis, I mean, I don't know what to say. They're making, they're making some really decent moves. Uh, the next news we have it's regarding the Arizona Cardinals. They are re-signing wide receiver AJ Green to a one-year deal. Uh, I don't. I understand it partially for the fact they did lose Christian Kirk, and they're going to need a wide receiver three. Now. If they don't go and draft a wide receiver in this year's draft, which I've heard a lot of names to be rumored are guys like Jamison Williams from Alabama, I, I, this kind of makes a lot of sense why they would resign AJ. AJ kind of had a shaky year with the Cardinals. I know during the Pack, Packers game, he had a lot of moments where you were kind of like scratching your head, like, why don't you turn around and go look to get the ball instead of just watching it go past you? And it's just. He didn't look like the A.J. Green of past, but he started to slowly get better towards the end of the season. And I mean, this is kind of more of an insurance signing than anything, which I can't really hate it. A.J. Green is still A.J. Green. He still has, you know, he still has talent in him. So I like it for the Cardinals, who just simply need to have more insurance at the wide receiver position. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Seattle Seahawks. They are re-signing quarterback Geno Smith to a one-year deal. Now, now, do I think Seattle will still draft a quarterback in the issues draft? Absolutely not, unless somehow Malik Willis from Liberty seems to fall down to them. Then, yeah, I think they will. But besides that, I think they're probably going to stick it out with Drew Locke, see how well he does, and then possibly at the trade deadline, maybe trade for Baker Mayfield. Because we've already seen teams like Carolina, some of their players have you know expressed a lot of discomfort with wanting to play for Baker Mayfield. and. It's just been kind of a weird situation that Baker did get traded to Carolina. So I think right now the best-case scenario for Seattle this year is to you know, say, hey, look, we have Geno Smith as a possible backup. Now we've got Drew Locke as our starting quarterback. Let's move forward with Drew if things don't work out. Worst comes to worst, we can trade a fourth or fifth-round pick, go get Baker Mayfield from the Browns, and then you know we can evaluate from there because obviously next year's draft class will be a lot probably more stacked at the quarterback position. So, yeah, and – to end all the NFL news, we had a crazy, you know, story that went on during the week. I know it really wasn't, you know, broadcasted everywhere, but it's something that definitely needs to be talked about. So, during the beginning of the week, it had been reported by Fox 4 News and DFW that Dallas Cowboys cornerback Kelvin Joseph was apparently involved in a murder case, and he was actually seen on footage being at the scene wearing a chain and had, you know, same facial structure and everything. Now... It would then later on be confirmed by his lawyer that he was in the passenger seat that was that you know in the car that killed a 20-year-old man in downtown Dallas, and you know, 
but it was confirmed he didn't have a gun. He didn't have any involvement technically in it. He was just a passenger. And then apparently that same night that he went and talked to officials, two guys involved were arrested. So I'm guessing he probably gave them up, which I don't blame him because his NFL career and his life is at, is on the line right now. So I'm hoping that, you know, he did tell the truth and this is actually what happened. But it's just sad to see all these guys throwing their careers away. I mean, we saw it majorly with Las Vegas this year with, you know, the Raiders and just all their, you know, former first-round picks. They have no more 2020 first-round picks on that team anymore. They lost Henry Ruggs to that car situation. They lost Damon Arnett to just simple stupidity. And then they lost, you know, obviously their head coach and John Gruden to just all those disturbing emails. And then now you see a lot more guys being involved in a lot of domestic, you know, domestic violence issues. We saw, you know, Alvin Kamara with a bunch of battery and physical assault I mean, it's just, I don't know what's going on with the NFL. I think it needs to be addressed, you know, possibly CTE. And, I mean, I don't want to keep, I don't want a lot of people to keep bringing it up as an excuse. But I do think that CTE is probably going to end up showing a lot more and more. We've seen it in guys like, you know, Antonio Brown, which I don't know what is wrong with that dude. But, obviously, he needs help. And I don't want to judge him, obviously, because we all go through things. But he does need help. And I think this just needs to continue to be addressed more and more. Now, obviously, Kelvin Joseph, he is innocent. He will not face any more charges, or that's at least what is being reported. So that is a good thing. Now, I don't know if he will get still get released by the Cowboys just for the fact that he was in the, the car still. And, you know, the people that were in the car, they still killed a man and that he allowed it. So that's another situation that will continue to develop. I'll keep you all updated. But, as you know, as of course, guys, that is it for today's NFL news. Now let's get into some college baseball news, some this, some um Gosh, I can't even talk. Let's get into some college baseball news. Let's get into some MLB news. And then we'll kind of talk about some trending NBA playoff news. Now, the first news we have, it's regarding the Tennessee baseball team. And it's actually involving Tennessee baseball head coach Tony Vitillo. He finally decided to take action against umpires. And I actually posted the video once again on the official TikTok and Instagram of the Cover 7 Mesa Pierce podcast. Now, apparently, the whole situation that occurred was because Chase Dollander of Tennessee, who was pitching, he was hit by a line drive, and it was obvious, you know, and was in obvious pain, and it just kind of, and then, you know, Alabama didn't really show any remorse or anything like that, so Coach V and assistant coach Frank Anderson, they decided to, you know, force their opinions and started yelling at the Alabama dugout, which led to Frank Anderson getting ejected, and then Coach V decided to, you know, go, hey, you know, that's not right, why are you going to eject him for something, you know, that he had every right to defend himself, and then Coach V ended up getting tossed, and he ended up shoving, or he ended up bumping into a ref, and it's kind of leading to a lot of questions about, you know, should umps consider, to, you know, should they really, you know, get a lot more in-depth training, because I went to um, a, a TCU, Texas Tech college baseball um, series this past weekend, and, you know, once again, my frogs did sweep, you know, Texas Tech 3-0, the number four team in the country, anyway, but these umps, I'm telling you, some of these calls are so blatantly bad but there's nothing anyone can do because if you say or voice your opinions at them, they're going to take it as assault or they're going to take it as whatever and they're just going to throw you out. So I do think umps need to lose a little bit of, you know, power in my opinion because sometimes it's just ridiculous the fact of how obvious a call is, but they're still going to just going to call it the way they want to and it's just opinion based. Now, the funny part about the whole Alabama cuz they were playing Alabama, the whole the funny thing about that situation is Tennessee, I guess it lit a fire under them, and they and they literally ended up winning that game nine to two. So 
definitely, definitely did not really affect that team at all. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the New York Yankees. So we are switching over to MLB. Now, New York Yankees right-handed pitcher Nestor Cortez, who has been on a hot, and I mean hot streak to start off the 2022 MLB season, currently has a 0.00 ERA with nine, nine in the third innings pitched with 17 strikeouts and two games saved. Now, he's been just an absolute stud so far throughout his career. He's been, in my opinion, he's been majorly underrated, but especially this year, I think he definitely needs to you know, be in contention for possibly, and I know you're probably like, well, what are you talking about? But maybe even a Cy Young award could go to Nestor Cortez because if he keeps up the pace he's had so far, he could end the year possibly having only a 1.0-something ERA, which that is going to be historically great. And for the fact that the Yankees' pitching staff and bullpen and rotation has been kind of iffy so far, I mean, we've seen Garrett Cole struggle big time against the Blue Jays, and we saw him struggle against the Red Sox. The fact that Nestor Cortez right now seems to be the true ace for the Yankees is just insane. But anyway, besides the fact, um, Nestor Cortez, he threw an immaculate inning Sunday against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, it's, I'm telling you, he continues to rack up and rack up and rack up achievements. And I definitely expect him to be on the rise. So watch out and make sure you do remember the name Nestor Cortez. Now, I was attending the Texas Rangers versus Los Angeles Angels game on Sunday. And Mike Trout was in the order, Shohei Otani. You know, the whole star-studded lineup that the Angels have. Now, I think it was during the fourth or fifth, Mike Trout was up to bat. And he ended up getting hit by... Um, Texas Rangers, their relief pitcher Spencer Patton, Mike Trout ended up getting hit in the hand, and he ended up leaving the game. So I'm really, you know, hoping for Mike Trout that he, you know, it's nothing serious, it's possibly just a bruise, maybe just a dislocation, something small. So he, does, you know, he's not out another month or two because we all hate to see how much he seems to get injured, and you, you know, you never want to see anyone get hurt in general. So my prayers are with Mike Trout. I do hope everything is okay with him, and guys. To finish off the episode, we're going to be talking about the whole Kyrie Irving situation. And now, you're probably wondering, what is Kyrie doing again? Well, the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets currently right now are in the um, Eastern Eastern Conference uh, first round of the playoffs. And uh, the Celtics and Nets, they played each other in Boston on Sunday. The Celtics ended up winning 115-114. to Celtics currently have a 1-0 lead over the Nets. And to say the least, that... You know, Kyrie was not really feeling the love from the um, the Boston crowd would be a huge understatement. I mean, Twitter blew up because Kyrie was caught on video flipping off fans. And, I mean, he was giving the double bird to fans mid-game after he made a jump shot. He also ended up screaming and cussing at a couple other fans, you know, Boston fans. And just, you know, just his displeasure with the city. Now, in case you don't know why, you know, he doesn't really like Boston. Um Back, back, back when Kyrie was still in Cleveland, him and LeBron, they, I mean, they didn't have any disagreements. But Kyrie wanted to be a star, and I don't blame him. He wanted to be, you know, the number one focal point on a team. And obviously, when you're on a team with LeBron, you're not going to be that. So he has to get traded, and he ended up getting traded to Boston. And things just never really worked out with Boston. In Boston, whether it was regarding injury issues, just bad play, and sometimes even his interactions with fans, they were just not great. So. And then he ended up leaving him after telling him that earlier that the I think the past season that he would end up staying with Boston, and then he ended up teaming up with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. So it just wasn't a good look for um, Kyrie. So definitely, I would watch the Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics series going forward because 
all the games that are going to be in Boston, those are going to be amazing simply for the fact that Kyrie and his involvement with the fans, that's just that's just much watch TV, must watch TV. So guys, I do hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. I know it was a little bit longer, but I just had a lot of news that I wanted to be able to get to y'all. Obviously, we have college football slowly approaching. We got the NBA playoffs going on, and we've got baseball, you know, continuing to go right underway. So, guys, before you do leave, please make sure you do rate the podcast with five stars. Make sure to follow it, and please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. Guys, I'll make sure to leave the link down in the description. And as always, I hope you all have an amazing Monday. I hope you all have an amazing day, no matter what day you're listening to. And I will see you all back on Wednesday. Peace.